Greetings and welcome back to Shnayim Mikra, in which uh, the series in which we study in each podcast one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and I'm honored to be studying here in this wonderful program sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted at OU.org. And we are now looking at the second aliyah of this week's parasha, Parashat Kitisa. And as I mentioned in the introduction to the first podcast, because these two aliyot are so long, instead of reading them, and translating through, uh, I'll summarize what's in the Aliyah, discuss several side issues, uh, not side issues, central issues that are uh, run as the undercurrent of the text, and then following that at the end of the podcast, there will be a proper Kriyata Torah of this Aliyah. Uh, however, the first piece we will read, Vayite, this is in uh, chapter 31, verse 18, the last verse of chapter 31, Paraklamet Aleph, Pasuk Yod Chet. Vayitain el Moshe. Hashem gave to Moshe kechalotol edaberito bar Sinai shnei luchot ha'edut. He gave him two tablets of testimony. What are they testifying to? Luchot even tuvim be'atzpai Elohim. So they are stone tablets written by God's finger. Whatever that may mean. How um, anthropomorphic we want to get with it. But uh, these are the tablets that testify and we find out later on we don't know this yet that these tablets have on them a record of the ten things that Bnei Israel heard at the foot of the mountain. The people saw that Moshe was delayed in coming down. So they gathered against Aharon, who was in his place. Get up and make us, proper translation is probably a leader. Who will walk in front of us. This Moshe, who took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened to them. Now notice that they describe Moshe as being the one who took them out of Mitzrayim. And this is something that we see throughout the, uh, throughout the, the desert narratives, that Bnei Israel do not consider Hashem the one who took them out, or at the very most that they would consider is Hashem with Moshe. But Moshe is the one accused of taking them out, especially when it's an accusation and a complaint. And uh, they say, this Moshe who took us out, we don't know what happened to him, so we need another leader. Notice, they didn't ask Aaron to take over. So Aaron's reaction is very unusual to what we'd expect. So take the earrings that are in the, the gold earrings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters. Bring it to me. So they did that. They brought it to Aaron. He took it from him. Uh, he, he formed it through a forging. Uh, how is there a forge in the desert? Another question. It becomes a, an image of a calf. And what did everybody say? This is your God Israel who took you out of Mitzrayim. We'll have to see why they would say that about a calf. And we'll get to that when we finish the summary. We'll look back at the Chet Egel. Vayar Aharon, Aharon saw, and Chazal said what he saw was he saw that Hur, who had earlier protested, was killed, and he realized that, uh, that if he steps forward and protests, that uh, he will be killed, and then Bnei Yisrael will never get, be able to get Kapara. So he figured better to do this. Vayivam Mizbeach Lefanav, Yidolta Mizbeach, Vayikra Aharon Vayomar, Chag Ladunai Machar. That there's a festival to Hashem tomorrow. Was Aharon trying to dissuade them away from this? Was he trying to stall? Unclear. So what happened the next day? They got up early. They brought olot and shlamim, just like they had 40 days earlier at the foot of Harsina, or roughly 40 days earlier, 
And the simple read of that is they sat down to eat and drink their korban, and then they got up to have festivities. Now, um, uh, why did the people think that Moshe was delayed? Is it because Moshe told them, I'll be down in 40 days, and they made the calculation, half a day, etc. Boshesh, as Darshan is Boshesh. It's a little difficult to think that such a radical move would happen when there's a difference of a few hours, and Aaron couldn't say to them, look, 40 days, maybe we missed by a couple hours, let's give them another day or two. Uh, it's difficult. Plus, the fact is that it took till the next day till they actually did the Avodazara or the Avodata Egel. Alright, we'll see that. By the barrel of the Nile Shesh. So Hashem, Moshe is still on top of the mountain. But Israel at the bottom doing this. And he says, Lechre, go down. Your nation. And again, notice, Hashem agrees with Israel. Your nation that you took out of Mitzrayim has messed up. They very quickly left the path that I taught them. He describes what they made. Hashem just describes what B'nai Yisrael have done. I see that they're very stubborn. Meaning they're, they're not able to change their ways. And they're very stubborn. And I won't be able to get them to come along my way. That's the implication. So you leave me alone and let me, let my anger loose and I'll destroy them. Makes it sound like Moshe really can call the shots. Because Hashem is asking his permission. And I'll make you into a great nation. And the very, very famous response of Moshe Rabbeinu, Brachot Aflamid Gimel, that uh, how could I do that after all if a chair with three legs can't stand in front of you? Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, what will happen when you get angry at my nation, a chair of only one leg, which is me? And then he answers, But literally, he beseeched him. Why would you get so angry at your nation that you took out with such a strength and with an outstretched arm, Lama more, and he, he, his argument to Hashem that Hashem should not destroy the nation is because of the chilu Hashem it will entail that the nations will say, you were not able to take care of this nation in the desert. You took them out just to destroy them, not to liberate them or anything else. So what are they going to say about you? Please, return, come back from this anger and change your mind about this, this evil. And you have to remember, saying, remember the and Yisrael, your servants, that you, you took an oath, Bach. You took an oath by your own name. And you said you would multiply their seed like the stars in heaven. And you told them to give them land. And none of that's going to happen if you destroy them. Indeed, backed off and changed his mind. So now what we read in the rest of this Aliyah is, if you will, the negotiations that happened with Moshe again, as we had at Mount Torah, in the middle. So what happens? Moshe comes down, and we have a description of the Luchot, a description of Moshe meeting Yehoshua halfway down the mountain where he was waiting, and Yehoshua says, I hear the people uh, involved in a war. And Moshe says, no, you're not listening to, you're not hearing victory and defeat, you're just hearing screaming. And uh, then Moshe comes down, and he sees what they've done, and he takes the Luchot, and he breaks them at the foot of the mountain. Uh, I, I'll comment on that when we get to the sixth Aliyah. Um, the fifth Aliyah, Sheshibarta, a uh, beautiful comment of Rashi uh, in, that, in that regard. <clears throat> and then he take, takes the Egel, he burns it until it's very, very thin, he spreads it on the water, and then he forces B'nai Yisrael to drink it, almost like Mesota. 
And then Moshe turns to Aaron and said, "How did? What did you do?" And Aaron says, "Don't get mad. You know that these people are bira. The people are upset, and they told me to make this uh, god because they didn't know what's happening." He described exactly what he said, and, I, and so I said, "Who has gold? Give it to me." And I threw it in the fire, and out came the ego, which is not exactly the way the text described what Aaron did. So Moshe sees that the nation has lost it. Paruahu. But notice, Kifra'o Aharon. Aharon is the one who kind of opened things up, who loosened the belt, if it were. And so Moshe stands at the gate, and he says, Mila Shemelai, and who joins him? B'nai Levi. And this is, of course, the crowning moment for Shevet Levi, when evidently the violent tendencies that Levi had, that we saw used in a questionable way, uh, in the story of Dina and Shechem, now are used in a very positive way. He tells them to go through and kill whoever was involved in the Egel. They do that, and 3,000 people die, which means it was a very small group that is actually involved. Then Moshe says that you are now inaugurated. Because that's what you've done. You've, you've gone even against your own family members, if need be, uh, to protect uh, our allegiance to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And then the next day, Hashem, Moshe says, okay, I have to go up to Hashem and maybe get kapara. So he goes up and he asks for kapara. And, and he says, and if you're not going to forgive them, the very, very famous line of Moshe, take me out of your book uh, that, you, that you've written. And Hashem says, I will only take the one who sinned out of the book. I'm not taking you. It's not up to you. But now you can go lead the people and I'm going to send the malach. Is this the same malach mentioned in Mishpatim? Is this a new malach? Does it mean that Hashem is saying to Moshe, I'm not going to go with you anymore, I'm going to send an agent? What does it mean? But, it mean, but one thing he says very clearly is, when there's a sin, I'm going to remember this sin also, and I will exact punishment. And then Hashem afflicted the people, we have no idea what kind of affliction it was, and again, Asher Asaharon, there's an emphasis against Anaharon. Then Hashem says to Moshe, okay, fine, it's time to move. And uh, it's time to go to the land. And I'm going to send the Malach, and he's going to lead you to the land. We're going to take that and everything. And the people hear this, and they're very, very sad. They're sad because Hashem is saying, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I'm going to send the Malach. That's what bothers the people. They realize they've sinned terribly. So Hashem says, you better tell the people. You can see you're very stubborn. And you, one moment that you mess up, I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy you. And so, um, so they, uh, they realize their sin. And then Moshe takes the Ohel and puts it out away, away from the Machaneh. So the Ohel that he set up, his own Ohel, is now not in the middle of the Machaneh, but he's sort of like in Galut. Shechina's in Galut, he's in Galut. Ben Israel in Galut. Everybody's angry at everybody, as it were. And uh, anybody who needed him would go out to that, to that Ohel and when Moshe would come, the people would stand up and they would watch Moshe. So Moshe has now become a very much separate being. As opposed to a leader of the people, he's a leader for the people, but not of the people anymore. And um, the people then see the, the Amur Hanan over the, over the Ohel. And this, of course, is not the Mishkan. There's no Mishkan yet. This is Moshe's tent. And they all uh, bowed and they all realized and they felt very, very sorry. And they felt they realized that they had to make uh, Kapara here. And Hashem spoke to Moshe, Panim al Panim. Now we get this note. As much as Hashem is now angry with B'nai Israel and has threatened to kill them, and there's an exile here and an excommunication here, Hashem speaks to Moshe, Panim al Panim, just like a person speaks to his friend. And then he would come to the back and he would have Yoshua, who was his Misharet, with him at all points there. Um, I want to go back to the eagle itself. And I want to share with you an observation made by a colleague and a, and a friend and a, a cousin 
Rav Amram Bazak from Yeshivat HaRetzion wrote a brilliant piece in an article about Cheta Egel, in which he pointed out that uh, Bnei Yisrael at Har Sinai had seen Etzam HaShemayim LaTohar. They'd seen Marot Elohim. They'd seen God's presence, as it were, and uh, at Mamad at, at Har Sinai. And how would that be described in terms that we could relate to? So if you open up to Yechezkel, which is um, the the prophecy that all of the mystic tradition is built upon. It's called Maasei Merkavan. It's the beginning of Sefer Yechezkel. So if you open up to Yechezkel, Perak Aleph, you can see that the heavenly chariot, whatever that may mean, is described as having four faces. Take a look at Perak Aleph, Pasuk Yod, and it says, Udmut Penehem Penei Adam, there's a man on one side, Upnei Aryeh, Alhayamin, so on the right side is a man and a lion, Upnei Shor Measmol Abatan, Upnei Neshabatan, and then there's an, a, 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 an ox, and there is an eagle. Uh, if you take a look, however, a little further down, <coughs> um, you find in Perek Yod, uh, where there's another description of it, which is in Pasuk um, uh, Yod Gimel, it says, um, so the same Merkava is described as having a kruv, whatever that may mean. And the other side is an Adam, and then Aryeh, and then Nesher. Which means that the only difference between this version and the version in Parakalif is, instead of Shor, it says kruv. Now we don't know what a kruv is, but by simple substitution we can figure that a kruv means some sort of a Shor. And then we find later that all of the visions are called Kruvim. More so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Moshe, or had already commanded Moshe, to put an image of Kruvim into the Mishkan, sitting on the Kaporet that sits atop the Aron, and that's the place Hashem is going to speak to him. So that means that what did Bnei Yisrael see? Well, according to this read, what Bnei Yisrael saw when they saw Masmarot Elohim, when they saw Mamad Har Sinai, is they saw an image of a chariot that had the image of oxen on it. So if the, they say we want a leader that will take the place of Moshe and they bake a golden image of a calf, what they're really doing is simply replicating what they saw in, in heaven. And by the way, not all that different than what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands. So if that's the case, and now we understand why in Ego, but if that's the case, then why is there such a damning um, result about this and why is it such a terrible sin? The answer is, of course, that it comes down really not so much to what, but how. In other words, B'nai Yisrael make an Egel. But the Egel was made not because HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded them to, but because they decided that's what they wanted to do. When you're in a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu defines the terms of the relationship and the parameters. He says, this is the way you're to worship me, this is the day on which you're to rest, this is the way in which you're supposed to, the image you're supposed to portray, that's what we do. And it's not called Avodah Zaraf, it's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded. The minute that we start deciding, this is what we want to portray, this is the image we have, especially immediately after HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you shall make no image, there's the chait. As promised, uh, we will have the Kriyat HaTorah of this Aliyah now, in lieu of the regular translation. Um, and then for the rest of the next five aliyot of the parsha, we'll go down to the traditional mode again. Those of you, again, who are interested in the Torah Shabbat Peh, as it were, uh, this is a good time to, to cut off. Asher yachul lefanenu kizeh, Moshe ha'yish. 
Shabbat shalom, Yosho, Binunar, Loyamish, Mitocha, Ohel.